Hey everyone, this is the Quick Thoughts with Adam podcast. Today, we're going back to South America in 1936. I'm here with my buddy Ethan. Now, what are we going to talk about? Good morning, Ethan. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Glad to have you on. Uh, so just tell us a little about yourself first. Uh, how you been? What's up in life? I've been great. I've been looking forward to this in particularly because if anyone knows me, they know how much I love Indiana Jones. I'm actually sitting here with my hat and whip currently. Um, so Raiders in particular is one of my, is my most favorite movie of all time. It's, it's a guilty pleasure in a sense because I know it's not the best movie of all time, but it's my favorite movie of all time. But I, I've been great. If you don't know me, I'm Ethan. Ethan Network on YouTube or Instagram. I do Lego things and nerdy things and life things. So, yeah, pretty great stuff. Um, big Star Wars fan too. Um, just for those people who can connect with that as well. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so just a little bit about the movie. So this is Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, made in 1981, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Lawrence Kasdan, who also wrote Empire Strikes Back, which is really good to note because I think that's definitely the best Star Wars film. Um, so the fact that he wrote this as well with George Lucas behind the story and uh, Lawrence Kasdan writing and Steven Spielberg behind the camera. Um, I think this is just set up for success. Good team up. Oh yeah. Perfect. Uh, it's starring Harrison Ford, uh, Karen Allen and Paul Freeman. Um, so we open up this movie and we are automatically thrust into the action. Um, there's very little dialogue to begin with. Um, absolutely. The first line Indiana Jones has, is about an opponent he had in the archaeological world. So um, that should tell you a little bit about it. But before that, you really get introduced to him by his actions and stuff. So you see him walking through. We don't see his face until the epic reveal that is iconic. Um, so South America, 1936. That's the time card we get. We get all the credits. We see them wandering through the woods following a map. Um, one of Indiana Jones's friends pulls a gun on him. He turns around, whips the gun out of his hand. It goes off, and then he steps into the light, and we see Harrison Ford with stubble, all sweaty and stuff. What I really like about this movie, it, it is really dirty. It feels very lived in. I think there were multiple times where I was like, Indiana Jones, I'm sure you would love a shower right now. Um, particularly uh, the scene on the boat when him and Karen Allen, him and Marion, are... Yeah. Uh, they're resting, the little bit of rest that they do get. Um, so we go through that. Uh, that's the introduction we get to Indiana Jones. And I think that was like integral to who this character is. Um, we, we see that uh, they get to the cave before they walk in. And Santipo, uh, Alfred Molina's character, who also played Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I, not. So his I actually buddy, still need to see Spider-Man 2. I'm a very ashamed. I haven't seen it. Oh, man. Very ashamed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta see that one. That's, I've I think, heard it's like right it's, behind the Dark Knight is the best superhero movie. So. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is very, very good. Said, it is very, yeah. very good. Before jumping to the cave bit, can we talk about yeah. the intro a little bit? For yeah, Jones? go right ahead. Go right ahead. I find it, it's really interesting because Jones is the hero of the story but his intro is really almost villainous in a sense mm -hmm. um and i think that's unlike most heroes we see everywhere else you know they're usually doing something heroic or they're saving the day usually you know we might start off with a 
bad guy event and then the hero will jump in and save the day i think that's how it kind of went with uh tim burton's batman mm-hmm. there the was dark something Knight. bad happening and well, dark knight batman came in a little bit later he didn't stop the joker from robbing the bank but um like tim burton's batman for example batman jumps in and saves the day and he is very sinister and seems dark but he is still doing something good right whereas indiana jones we really have no idea what he's doing like he could be going i would not put it behind this guy i just met that he's going to rob a place right, right. now like that's where exactly. he's going and which he kind of is in exactly. <laughs> in, the, right. in the movie um and i think it's very interesting because it introduces a new sort of adventure and charisma and daringness to the hero and that's something that i personally like really really grew up with so because with indiana jones he's like my biggest example of adventure and you know every time i'd play i was indiana jones right so i wasn't i never really viewed myself as this grand hero sometimes i did indiana jones as a hero oh yeah but the daring aspect is i think what makes him so unique and it's just like right off the bat whenever we first see him you see that daringness about him um where you're never really sure like where this guy stands like is he good is he bad he's daring right and i just think it's so cool yeah and he's not afraid to break the rules which yeah. um, you don't see that with a lot of superheroes, especially, or adventure stars. Um, you could say that about Ethan Hunt's character in the Mission Impossible movies, that he is willing to break the rules. But usually the rules are stacked against him, and r- usually the rules aren't so good. Um, but I think for Indiana Jones, um, we see this a lot in Last Crusade, too, where he's so dedicated to getting something in a museum. So it doesn't matter what he does to get it there like he'll yeah. kill people he'll kill people he will yeah he's not afraid to pull the gun <laughs> yeah, as we see crazy. in, in it's, cairo it's like he is your hero but he's just gonna go kill people um but it's never portrayed in like a dark way i guess because everyone he kills is a Nazi. bad in a sense yeah. and i mean it, it is a late 70s early 80s movie where killing is not really seen as a big deal you know right. everyone is being killed left or right um but it's definitely exactly. unlike many heroes. And like, you know, there's just modern heroes too today. Like you would never see Batman just killing people in his way. You wouldn't see Harry Potter just killing people in his way. You know, just be like, he exactly. wouldn't kill the bad guys. They're always trying to make them fake. Like every TV show you see or whatever, they don't kill anyone now. Everyone just passes out or they knocked right. them out. You know, and then the Lego did. game, the Lego game had to take so many liberties, you know, uh, yeah. Jurassic, the Jurassic Park Lego game really stands out to me in that sense where nobody ever died. Like the lawyer, he just got coughed really? up after he got bitten. Yeah, yeah. Lego games always do that. Yeah, it's kind of a cop out, but I think it's it's sometimes funny. Um, uh, Lego for sure. For Lego, exactly, exactly. Um, and then, at, but right before they get into the cave, um, Satipo, he uh, he's like, "Are you sure we really want to go in there? Um, people have gone in there; they haven't come out." Um, and then Indiana Jones kind of like just grabs the backpack and shoves him to grab yeah. the uh, to grab the torch. He um, doesn't even acknowledge it. He's like, you no, he's weakling. like, yeah, he doesn't say anything to him. <clears throat> <laughs> so we see him getting the sandbag, of course. And uh, I always forget what's coming up because I don't watch this movie very often. I don't know um, why. I think it's my family. They don't exactly enjoy the adventure type movie. Uh, mm. My mom, especially. She just, I don't know why. She's a fan of Harrison Ford. But, you know, I don't know why yeah, she's not. unfortunate. I know, right? Um, and then, of course, they walk in. They got the tarantulas on their back. Um, and then they see uh, he puts his hand in the light, which that's almost a nitpick, um, except Indiana Jones is experienced. So I think that kind of 
uh, solves that. Yeah, How I, did I he like know he that the have, light was going to do I feel something? like he just has experience with booby traps. Also, he probably knows something about that location, like it's right. past and everything. Because in other movies, he'll say, you know, before he goes somewhere, this was the location of the blah, 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 where such and so explorer died. And, blah. you know, he knows all this stuff. Exactly. So he probably has researched the place heavily before going there. Right. Um, yeah. Another quick thing about the dirtiness and stuff, just how much of like an influence this has on me and stuff. Whenever I was little, I would intentionally destroy things or make them dirty <laughs> to make them feel adventurous or as I literally called them, Jonesy. Jonesy. So, <laughs> so like my Boy Scout handbook throughout the scouting got kind of torn up. But sometimes I would intentionally just pull the tear a little bit more. Right. So that I could, it would just tear and tear and I could have this tattered book instead of like a nice looking book like everyone else is exactly. like no mine is destroyed like all the scouts, pages are taped together and stuff like boy scout <laughs> adventures yeah oh yeah um, also like the cobwebs they get all over all those cobwebs and the tarantulas. I, used put, I used to put fake cobwebs with myself uh, yeah oh yeah it's a big thing the tarantulas too that just gets me like you see the three on Indiana yeah. Jones is back and you're like whoa and then Satipo turns around and you see all those tarantulas on him and there's um, that classic noise whenever Satipo turns around the oh Ooh, that's what they <laughs> yeah. use in the lego game yeah that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it so every time they go to the and spiders in the lego game i'm pretty sure i don't know if john williams revolutionized what we think of when we think of spiders but he got the the pizzicato stuff going on yeah. the violins i like that's a sound effect on the soundboard for the anchor website uh it's just really? called spiders and so i think that's really cool john williams cool. john williams is such a big part of this movie i think music has like what do you how how would you call it uh defined so many things and it's cool how like some like, how certain people have like gotten there first i guess like right, hans yeah. zimmer has defined the pirate like exactly pirate music if you look up pirate music anywhere it all sounds like pirates of the caribbean exactly so like but where did pirates of the caribbean come from well hans zimmer. Based like, <laughs> exactly. hans zimmer it's just incredible he made up the category pirate i mean to my knowledge anyway maybe lose yeah. based off some pirate anthem or tales or something yeah the sea shanties and stuff like that (laughs) but (laughs) it is incredible how much music uh can do and and impact right and then the stunt choreography especially um in this scene with i i especially like it when they get up they they swing across the little cavern there and Mm -hmm. then they they walk up and satipo is just like all right let's go it's right there and then indiana's no wait so yeah. he takes the staff and he pushes down the little button and then the arrow comes out and then he has to find his way there uh, stepping on the safe stones, um, which are kind of obvious. Like They are. Um, I've, I've so, looked at that many times. They get smaller as it gets closer to the altar, but um, before that, they're definitely really big. And I'm like, this is easy, but you exactly. can tell they get a little <laughs> bit more compact as you go along. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, we got the iconic scene of him just there with his hand on his oh, chin. Yeah. And then he, uh, in the Lego <laughs> game, it was C-3PO's head, which I really thought was hilarious because it was Lucas Arts who had been doing it. Um, yeah. So instead of the idol, it was, well, I think they had the idol, but he swapped it. No, they it had the C-3PO. idol. It, it was a, there's a secret, maybe he swapped it in the cutscene, but I know there is a secret room where you can get C-3PO's head. Really? Like the whole unlocking Han Solo. If you unlock Han Solo oh, gotcha, and like right. Indiana Jones, you have to collect pieces of Star Wars characters. Yeah. C-3PO's head is in that level. That's awesome. I actually didn't know that. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think I was above the age of reason when I was playing Indiana Jones <laughs> like a video game. Uh, but, and then he just turns around and is like, it's easy. We got it. And then everything goes to yeah. hell. He's got the, the, the 
everything's just falling and he runs i think that shot's so cool when he's just running across and all the arrows are coming out at him yeah um and the and boulder, the best the part. Boulder, the I best love part. The, the, the camera angle looking down at him. The oh, yeah, <laughs> that sound effect he makes too. I think is in the, yeah, that's <laughs> his Indiana Jones sound effect in the Lego game. But uh, that facial expression is just priceless. And I it's think so awesome. Satipo's already dead at that point because he just took it from him. I think yeah, he took he it just and died, then and then he, he stopped across. and he's like, oh, there's a boulder, right? Yeah, yeah. And when he jumps across the cavern because Satipo wouldn't give him the whip back, I feel that like the sound effect that it makes when he hits his gut on the, on the rock uh, jumping across, oh, man, it's just so realistic. It's, it's crazy. Um, so then he runs away from the, uh, the boulder and then we meet Belloc and Belloc. Um, I think one of his first lines is again, we see there is nothing that you can possess and I cannot take away. So we get this idea that they are, they know each other. They've gone through this. This is a repeating thing. And the way Indiana Jones just looks at him, I think is priceless. Harrison Ford's facial expressions. I think this is one of the few movies that Spielberg and Lucas have done that he actually wants to be in. Um, yeah. If you think about it, he, he wasn't too keen on being on Star Wars, um, yeah, especially that's after only, Empire. That's the only one I know of was Star Wars. Yeah, so I kind of get this <clears throat> almost pretentious feel from Harrison Ford, but not in this movie. He feels like he wants to be there. Yeah, and I like it. He seems to have a lot of control over his character too, like a lot of variety to right. his uh, expressions. Right. What he gets excited about, what he's upset about, you know, uh, especially in the map room uh, when he oh, has yeah. that look on his face. It's my favorite scene. It's awesome. It is incredible. The music too. John Williams it's, holds nothing back. That is back. a perfect scene. I clapped in the theater. I don't think anyone else did. That was, <laughs> that was that's my scene. It's it's just, I mean, Spielberg is, I'm going to go out and say it. Spielberg is my favorite director. Uh, between Jaws really? and E.T. and Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. The list goes on. It's true. I mean, it is true. He's got so many integral movies to my childhood and to, uh, I think, film history, too. Um, yeah. With all this stuff going on. Um, so I, I also like it. It's got this kind of lighthearted theme that Indiana jo- that John Williams has going uh, while he's running away from the natives after yeah, Belloc gets it. So I, I, I always find myself laughing because he's yelling at Jock to turn on the plane. <laughs> Poor Jock like, didn't get to catch time. his time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just has to throw his fly fish rod into the, uh, into the lake. So Belloc, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of villains in fantasy are basically just evil versions of the heroes. And yeah, it's kind of what Belloc is clearly supposed to be. I wonder what Belloc wants with the artifacts, though, because he yeah. must not be putting them in a museum. No, I'm Jones. pretty sure. So it's his yeah. private collection, probably. I guess I don't know. Yeah, either that or he's selling them. Like, yeah, I, I feel yeah. like he must be selling them. Pirates. Because I think it'd be interesting if he did have like a private collection. Indiana Jones right. five. Belloc's still alive. He's raiding Belloc's house. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. I don't know, that's interesting. But yeah, it must not be a museum. I assume he's selling them. Right. Because, I mean, I feel like Indiana Jones and Belloc would actually... I actually wonder if they were friends to begin with in the yeah. archaeology. In the archaeo- I can't say the word. In the, you know... Archaeology. Archaeology. There probably is, a, uh, probably is a story out there. Some lore, the origin. Right. <laughs> There's a big Indiana Jones timeline out there. There's so much beyond the movies that 
right? I don't even know. I don't know if it's canon or whatever, but who knows if there's a ton Jones of Indiana Jones stuff canon. out there. There's yeah. so many books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always knew the Star Wars books. I never knew there were Indiana Jones books. That's crazy. Oh, I remember the... Uh, there are a ton of books. I remember the young... They're too. They're like really? aliens and spells and all this weird stuff. Well, I mean, Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull, we kind of see it there. It was before that, though. Really? It might have been before. Yeah, there's just some wacky Indiana Jones books. That is... For sure. Um, yeah. There's there's this one encyclopedia that I like because it has a full timeline in it. Um, Whoa. Talking about like shows where the movies place and where all the other little side adventures place and all the young Indiana Jones TV show, um, which Ian McDermott was actually in apparently. Really? <laughs> so, like, I don't know if it was just one episode or what. I think he was like a professor or something. Um, That's but crazy. yeah, and of course it shows Temple of Doom is a prequel. A prequel, you which I didn't you know, know until recently. Yeah, I did know. That. Okay. Um, it's set in the 1920s, right? Or when is it? Um, I think it might be like 32 because it. Raiders this one's 36, 36 right yeah um i don't think it's that much earlier it might i think it's like 32 or 34 i think it's like two or three years before raiders but, gotcha yeah yeah but i i found that really interesting um i i hadn't realized until i found an article about it um so then of course we get introduced to indiana jones fears snakes his phobia i love how jock is just like oh that's my that's my new pet <laughs> show a little backbone just will you pet reggie yeah <laughs> and he's got the classic yankees hat on yeah for any american like if you want a, a costume design for americans just give him a yankees, yankees. hat <laughs> i don't know um, extends short round as a yankees hat he's not really exactly. american but <laughs> right it shows him affiliated with but it, at least, yeah it's true um so then uh, i really like this scene too when he's teaching at the college yeah um it's and a then big transition it's like who is this guy <laughs> right like he was just like his ch his chest was just showing and he was in a hat. glasses and comb hair now right what is this is it like a secret identity and i always wondered yeah. about that they kind of play it like it is um i think it is the glasses I, I mean i don't think any of his students know that about him right now right. that i'm really thinking about it because i mean i know mutt didn't but mutt didn't know him at all um right i mean i feel like i feel like he probably just doesn't talk about it but i don't think he hides it either they're probably like rumors throughout the school and stuff yeah i mean because it's not like i mean killing people is illegal but it's not like what he's doing yeah. is necessarily illegal. <laughs> it's got some honor to it i mean i'm sure there's like a ton of territory violations but right yeah <laughs> uh as long as he has a passport it's fine it's fine yeah <laughs> um so then marcus walks in and then I think the character introductions in this film are just masterful. Lawrence Kasdan really knows how to introduce people. Um, with Empire, we already knew who the characters we were meeting were. So I think he uh, almost got off easy there. But Lando. Lando, you're right. That introduction's awesome. How yeah. you think he's all angry at Han Solo. And, uh, but Lando is really great. Um, but we see this with Marcus. And he's like, I had it, Marcus. I had it in my hand. And then... Uh, he tells him to guess what happened. And then Marcus just says Belloc. So he yeah. already knows. So I think Marcus is one of my favorite characters, especially in the last crusade. Um, oh, yeah. He's great. Um, and then we get his epithets from the fat guy in the, uh, in the big auditorium. Uh, uh, professor of archeology. span Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty good scene. It's, it's great. I love that scene. When the Harrison dynamic Ford between 
those two little professor guys is pretty good. They definitely were given some character. Yeah, they take they keep uh, cutting each other off. And the, in the occult. Yeah, go ahead. The excitement that uh, Indiana Jones gets, he gets kind of like giddy. Yeah, he gives um, that look to Marcus. Whatever. Yeah, when they're like... And he like instantly starts writing and stuff. And Marcus was like, here he goes. Here he goes. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so, and then music. The arc theme is introduced, of course, mm-hmm. during that, which I think right. is... It's just eerie enough that it gives it you this so kind good. of mystery. It's great. Um, and then we get the introduction that we're realizing because um, the first time I watched this movie was at a sleepover at one of my friend's houses. Um, and that was a long time ago. But I didn't necessarily... We weren't really paying attention, right? We're all talking and laughing and having a good time. So I didn't see the timestamp. So when they brought up Nazis and I knew this movie was from the 80s, I was like, what in the Whoa. world is happening? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they talk about how the Nazis are searching for the religious artifacts for Der Führer. Uh, I probably absolutely butchered that. I don't yeah, know German. The Führer. Yeah. Or as um, Indiana Jones puts it later, uh, what, which movie was it in? Oh, it was Tim, it was Last Crusade. He was like, I thought these were for your boss. Yeah. The Führer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, how Harrison Ford just gets that underbite whenever he talks in like an yeah. episode. He's like, so pissed, like the Führer. <laughs> um, but uh, yet the the arc theme, just jumping back to that, is it is extremely mysterious and it's so beautiful and and it's interesting because they're talking about holy artifacts and this one's really Mm -hmm. mysterious and we get another holy artifact in last crusade but the theme for that one i would like to say like it sounds holy exactly last crusade theme like you know the like i get chills every time it's just like the knight raising his hand i I can't believe it right yeah (laughs) but um but yeah i mean those two themes together and then map room dawn um Mm -hmm the map room theme which immaculate yeah and that plays kind of towards the end i always want the resolve you know it like builds up and then it holds out that note and then at the end it just goes right into the indiana jones theme like the Raiders yeah. march. so i always want it to just hit the note you know really uh, yeah especially in the map room i think it does actually for a little bit in the map room it does it the, the ending goes like because they're walking through the camp at that point right and John Williams everything like, about the movie memorized. <laughs> John Williams' uh, sneak music is great too. Like, uh, especially if you look at the stuff on the Death Star um, when they're rescuing Princess Leia. Yeah. Like, he's got some great stuff for his, that. His sneak music's good. Army music, definitely. With um, I think Harry Potter has some good sneak music in it. Probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I forget he does the first three of those because uh, then they, I don't know why they didn't keep him on for the other ones. Is it only the first three? Yeah, he only does the first was, three. Because then more. I forget who does it, who does the fourth one. But they then they go around switching and jumping around. I know Alexandre Desplat did. Yeah, oh yeah. Seven, I love the eight, seven and eight. But those things uh, are great. I, I forget what his name is. Though. Uh, yeah, Patrick Doyle did Goblet of Fire. Interesting. And then... Nicholas Hooper did some, and then Alexandre Desplat, or how yeah. do you say his name? I'm probably butchering it, but yeah. Could maybe, t- like, I wonder if part of the reason that um, Goblet of Fire kind of starts the decline in the Harry Potter quality might because of, might because <laughs> of John Williams leaving. I mean. Maybe. Well, also, I feel like they wanted to take a darker turn, and also they started switching directors, too. Yeah, they um, did. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, John Williams... 
I think he is a uh, – how does he score his movies? I mean, I guess he does a lot of little sounds and stuff. Maybe it just didn't fit anymore because he does do a lot more lighthearted themes. I think like Indian Jones, there's a lot of killing and stuff, but there is a lightheartedness to it. Right. And I think they might have needed something newer. Especially during the chase scene too. I don't know a single movie that's like darker that John Williams has scored. I just can't think of one. Yeah, I, I honestly, you, you're, like, yeah, I don't I even know. He, he scored Schindler's List, but it, that's and know, Saving Private like a, there's Ryan. A, there's a beauty to those. It's not right, like it's beauty. A, it's not like yeah. despair. I don't think John Williams can. Yeah, he's not a very. I don't think I've ever seen him. Do. I bet he could, but I just, I just haven't. It's right. not his thing. I don't think. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little tangent there, but then we talk about the city of Tannis, which is. Um, the possible resting place of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, I love the line. Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? And they kind of <laughs> look. They kind of look at each other like, uh, <laughs> as if Indiana Jones did. I, I'm sure there's some of it, but I bet like, he did. I bet he did. Yeah. Henry Jones Sr. Henry Jones Sr. I'm sure he had him and made him do Sunday it. school. Oh yeah. yeah, when he's not chasing a, a train, uh, yeah. <laughs> in his youth, as River Phoenix. Um, yeah. Um. But then the Well of the Souls, did you, so actually, fun fact about that, did you know that that was, where they filmed the Well of the Souls, that soundstage, is the same soundstage that they filmed um, some of the scenes from The Shining in the Overlook Hotel, the big room with the stairs, where Jack Nicholson has that famous, you're distracting me speech, you know, that's, that's like the yeah. area where they filmed the Well of Souls. Really? Yeah, I thought that was so really like, interesting, I saw that in the... That's just like in a, a studio building right, in LA yeah. or something? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. I thought it was really cool, um, just because both of them were kind of eerie, you know. Those are, I mean, I don't. It seems like the Overlook Hotel was a bigger set than yeah, you're right, Raiders Room. But that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I thought it was too. Um, let me see. I lost my place here. Um, so then we get the like the rules of the story what you need to be able to do this. So we know why the Nazis can't, and we know why Indy can't. So we hear about the staff of Ra and the headpiece. You need it to be a certain height or else it's not going to work. It's going to show you the wrong place, which the Nazis end up finding the wrong place anyway. Um, but then uh, uh, Indy goes back to Nepal and he tries to find Abner. Um, so I think this was really interesting because Abner that whole plot line kind of got lost for me um, what, in my earlier times of watching this. It was like, okay, so who's Abner? And it wasn't until I like played the Lego video game and saw Marion Ravenwood. So he's, she's obviously his daughter. Um, and Abner was a professor for Indiana Jones before um, he became the man who we know he is now. Um, I think this, this uh, introduction for her to just drinking, this comes back later with Belloc, um, but how she's kind of bluffing her, uh, she's about to pass out, but then she finally turns the shot glass yeah. over. And then it reminded me of uh, Vicini's death in uh, The Princess Bride when the big guy just falls over. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> after drinking. Uh, so then. That, her introduction is also phenomenal. I, I feel like it could probably rifle with Indies because yeah. you know his is all mysterious and everything but hers is kind of the same way like normally whenever you see a drinker like you assume a poor degrading version of it like a character right but that's just like 100 not the case with her no she's she, like and, and also just like the way these characters act the way these actors are acting 
makes us wonder. Cause like we don't instantly think, Oh, she's a slutty drinker girl. We're like, what is she doing? You know? And, and I feel like it really has to do with the acting that can pull that off. And it almost puts her like it on the same level with Jones and even competing with Jones, especially whenever Jones comes in later, talk to her, like she wins that conversation completely and talk about like independent women and stuff and, and movies and everything. Marion, I think is, I mean, I don't know if I can think of a more independent woman. Right. I yeah. mean, there's the scene with the snakes and she's all on top of him and stuff, but like yeah. she completely holds her own. She, she almost escapes from Belloc. She has yeah. her whole drinking thing. She runs a bar, all that stuff. So her intro, top notch, peak. Great. Uh, sorry, my, my dogs are barking, so that might be a little background noise there. Um, Just some ASMR. Right. <laughs> Just add plus barking dog background and exactly the title <laughs> uh yeah they're guests on the podcast too i guess <laughs> um giving their little two cents about the, the movie um lawrence kasdan knows how to do exposition when indiana jones walks in their bar and they give like this kind of it, it is not very clear what happened between them except for the fact that we know that indiana jones probably hurt her in the past you know she said uh it's been 10 years since they they've seen each other um, so we find out that Indy was, uh, that Abner's dead. Um, and that this is really, this really stuck out to me. She, her character development is really good because at this point she's doing stuff for the money. She's like, all right, well, how much are you going to give me for the, mm-hmm. for the medallion? Um, and so he pays her and then she says, come back tomorrow, uh, <laughs> which almost leads to her death because then we get yeah. the Germans coming in, um, also, um, I don't know why, but Germans kind of have this. You can always tell when they're evil. Um, yeah. When when you first see this guy on the plane, the the little short man in the hat and the coat, um, you're automatically, oh, oh, okay, he's evil. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think that's probably because of his um, his costume and stuff like that. Uh, but it could be. Um, I wonder. If it, John Williams had stuff to do with that too, uh, I think that I think also. It's also because there's the difference between suspicious and mysterious. I think that our heroes are mysterious and the villains are suspicious. So like, whenever you're someone's suspicious, you're you instantly, you know, they're on your radar much more. Yeah, and the first so, shot of him, you see him giving the side eye to Indy. Yeah, like so behind like the newspaper suspicious. and stuff. Like you know, yeah. it's suspicious. So, right. Um. Um. And, and with normally like the whole thing is like oh we need to go find the staff of raw mm-hmm. boring you know like this is the complete downfall of rise of skywalker let's go find the dagger McGuffins. and find the this and this and the McGuffins, yeah so with lawrence kasdan's exposition writing it's phenomenal and also because i think because of the way the characters are set up and everything we're we are really just wanting to see whatever they do and right. I don't really care about the headpiece anymore. Like I care about this conversation they're having and it's about the headpiece, but like, I actually don't really care much about the headpiece. I'm not really wondering intentionally what's going to happen to the headpiece. I'm wondering what's going to happen with them and whether or not that regards the headpiece. I really don't care. You know, exactly. Like how are they phenomenal. going to act in this situation? I think the character work in this movie is awesome and something we don't really get in adventure movies enough character stuff i think about national treasure there's not much there to go on with nicholas cage i mean besides (laughs) nicholas cage you know so um uh this shootout 
is so awesome. Um, I don't know how this movie's PG because no. the first well, there was no PG thirteen at the time, right? So. But why didn't they think about this? Like Temple of Doom, we always hear that's like the movie that caused the PG created PG thirteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> but I mean, when you see the guy, like they flip over the table and then he catches on fire, and then Indiana Jones shoots him in the head, <laughs> and and blood spurts everywhere. There's a lot of blood. It's, yeah, it's a really bloody movie, but. And then you've got the adventure music playing on top of it. So yeah, um, the the thing I love the most about the scene is the sound design is just peak. All of every shooting everywhere in Indiana right. Jones is just like oh, <laughs> it just right. feels so good. Yeah. And 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 especially Indiana Jones's revolver. Like these guys are shooting machine guns, but his revolver sounds more powerful than the machine yeah. guns. In my just notes, like the- I. Really- like yeah. I've never heard a gun sound like that. That was actually movie. really accurate. And I doubt it I doubt it does sound like that in real life, but right. like it's so cool how he just has that power behind that little yeah. handgun. <laughs> and in my notes I said uh Indiana Jones pistol sounds are up there with seismic charges. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they're pretty they're pretty oh. uh I know, right? Yeah. yeah. We talked about that in the last episode with my buddy Hackett about the seismic charges. Um what movie just, did y'all cover? Oh, that was uh, Phantom Menace. I forgot that hasn't released at the time of this recording. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We should uh, we should just do Indiana Jones. Yeah, like, I think so too. Oh, definitely. Episodes. That was my plan. I didn't want to tell you, but that was my if we can. We're gonna reel you in, though. I mean, if we can finish this one today, I feel like we should dedicate enough time to it. To where yeah, we can finish this. I think we have so to too. Do like three parts for each movie or something. We'll see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other episode was like an hour and forty minutes long, so this one's gonna be. This should be pretty fun um yeah but i mean with the i think also about the alcohol on the table when uh indiana jones gets captured they lay him down on the table um and then the the little german dude lights up the match and then you just see the alcohol running um and then indiana jones is like whiskey and then marion just hands him the bottle he hits him over the head and gets up right in time um that's indiana that's that's harrison ford right there in in the way of fire uh that's what i love about this that like it's him almost all the time i could never was catch it real fire spot. like for the movie do you know oh i i hope like, so i mean i, I, I mean i, I highly doubt the trail actually reached him i mean no, i guess I as so soon either. as he went up the fire i don't know i'm sure there was some sort of safety right. i think thing that take place there is a cut in between when the fire's coming right next to him and he stands up. Yeah, there there is that cut, but um, yeah. So that could be re- revealing about how they did that one. Um, but I, I I just love how most of the in camera stuff they don't show the face. You know, uh, in ET when they're riding the bikes over the hills, you can easily tell that those are stunt doubles because they're all supposed to really? be kids, but they are just adults. They just look like adults. Um, so I think that was a fault of ET, but I I could never really tell whether or not it was a stunt double or not uh for indie especially um let's see <laughs> um so then uh marion has this really funny line when they get out <laughs> um they get out of the bar and they see it, it's on fire and she says well jones at least you haven't forgotten how to show a lady a good time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just thought that was so funny because uh you don't really see i mean with princess leia you do see it but there's not much wit from female characters. Um, but here, Marion is a, like, she's so independent yeah. and she just knows. Or at least how not to... well implemented and executed wit. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. somebody get and this then, of course, they. Out of my way. 
they team up, which is great. I think it shows where Marion's true passions lie. Like she's pissed right. at Jones, but she's not actually over him. Right. And she's adventurous too. <laughs> yeah. Like you see that. So. Um, except for the well of souls when she's screaming and clamoring all yeah. over Jones. Uh, um, but then we go to Cairo and we meet Sala, who I always forget is Gimli. He plays Gimli too. In the I didn't Lord know that until recently. Yeah. I just like, I mean, I can kind of hear it in his voice. Um, yeah, I can hear it for sure. Yeah. I, I just didn't know it. Um, but then a couple months ago, I found out about that. So that's pretty cool. Um, we hear about how Sala has been hired to dig with the Nazis because only they only choose the best. Um, the dogs are going off again. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Um, let's see. So then we get the, I think this chase scene is awesome with the baskets getting mixed up. So Indiana Jones and Mary and Ravenwood, they go down to the city. They just go for a walk and we see this monkey and the monkey plays a big part in this movie too, almost killing Indiana Jones. Uh, that's also another cool scene uh, further down the road. Um, when the guys come and uh, I just think that it's that costume design is awesome with the black turbans and like the white, I don't want to say togas cause I know that's wrong, but like the white robes, especially. Um, yeah. And then they run. I think the choreography for that fight too, with Indiana Jones in a hand to hand while the guys have the swords. Um, when he's like, it's Marion running. And then he's definitely seventies, eighties. Definitely. And then you Stabbing see the, the like three people through one sword. Like exactly. Ah! Getting kebab too. Yeah. With the guy with the fruit on the end of the sword when he gets stabbed. And know. the punching sound effects in this. All the it's, it sounds <laughs> like it really hurts. It's, it's very unrealistic, but it sounds seventies and eighties and thus beautiful. Yeah. So. I think it's very appropriate for the, for the movie. Um, yeah. I, I really love the sound design. Um, so then Marion gets in a basket to hide and the monkey gives away her location they pick it up and we see the sea of baskets from Indy's perspective I love that close in on his eyes and his nose and then they just yeah. you just see his eyes just like oh my goodness how am I going to find her we zoom out and we see the baskets um, this, you ever okay. notice the, uh, the little the beggars on that one corner um, no Whenever he's he runs through the streets and those guys are like oh all on him for money and they start right. like dropping coins, how one of them his eye is like white and messed up, I don't know. It's just like an interesting thing really? I noticed a while back and it's just like, yeah, I didn't catch. I don't that. know if the guy auditioned or they looked for a guy with deformed <laughs> eye, but it's just like so fitting for the moment. And I don't know if they're actually speaking the language or not. But I don't know. Just that that guy knows, with the yeah. white eye, I always found interesting. Yeah, I I actually didn't catch that. Um, that's, that's no, like he was cool. cut with a it lightsaber or something like that sort of look. I'm sure there's like some conspiracy theory about that. <laughs> Probably. I mean, uh, so then Marion gets blown up. JJ um, Abrams, if you're listening, you're definitely not. But take note, this is how you do an effective character death. <gasps> this is how you make people believe that some someone has actually died. You give it time to marinate with people. You don't, yeah. the next scene... <laughs> Like specifically Chewbacca, Chewbacca right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that really ticked me off because it really yeah. like discredited any character death. You're like, oh well, are they really dead? Yeah. Not only got... was, I mean, that was already horrible, but then after that, they had the scene where they're all uniting about what they're gonna do, and they're like, mm -hmm. for Chewie, 
like that was already after we know Chewie's alive. So that right. made you're it like, even oh, worse. well, you know, you're about to find this guy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is how you do it, J.J. Abrams. Um, you did a pretty good job with um, you did a pretty good job with Force Awakens, but you didn't have three different fake deaths. <laughs> uh, four if you're counting Palpatine, but I'm pretty sure that was more of a resurrection than a fake death. You kind of brought him back. But <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, what is it? Chewie, C-3PO. Is the other one? Yeah, uh, Kylo Ren on the Death Star Two wreckage, and he then Ray. Uh, no, not that Rey, point. He got Ray was. Through. Oh yeah, yeah. He got stabbed through. She stabbed him with her. And then Ray. And then Ray. Yeah. So that's four. That's, that's four. Yeah. Chewie, C-3PO, Ray, and Kylo. Um. And then if you want to count Palpatine, yeah. That's yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. Uh, I would love to see what it would be like without <laughs> studio interference because I've heard oh, gosh. terrible stories about that. Uh, yeah, but probably. then uh, another, another note I wanted to make on Indiana's character. When Marion's gone, uh, then he starts being attached to the monkey. You know, He's like playing with it and putting it on his shoulder. Before he was yeah, like, does the monkey have to come along? You know? yeah um but i i really thought that was interesting how he was warming up to the monkey after marion was you know air quotes gone um, yeah and then this is great i love when belloc and indy meet this is one of my favorite scenes as well when they're there in the bar and indiana jones is pissed off he's just sitting there talking um and then belloc gives a classic villain speech uh we're not so different you and i you know yeah um, he's smoking some job of the hut looking it was i was thing. like is that a bong <laughs> i was I'm really shocked. Sure. yeah that's what it looks like i mean legalized over in cairo i'm pretty sure <laughs> uh and then they're talking and he's like indiana this is a radio transmitter to god we have to find this and we have to open it and test it and stuff and you know we know indiana just wants it in a museum um and then he has this great line i think this is up for my favorite quote want to talk to god let's go see him together i got nothing better to do yeah. then he goes for his gun and then everybody pulls their guns on him yeah uh, i still don't fully understand that scene because he pulls his gun on him everyone pulls guns the kids come in and surround him yeah so i assume they're not firing because there are kids because of kids right so they all run outside but then everyone's chill everyone's like, chill. They, they, they all of the guys who were go- the yeah and they're like laughing and stuff so i'm like are they laughing because they think the kids were funny? Like all these people who were about to kill him were like, ha ha, he got saved by the kids. That's so <laughs> exactly. funny. Rip, we couldn't kill him. Right. Like, and they have like, it's not like they have pistols or like machine guns. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I They're saw like a guy AKs. with like a rifle. And were they only going to kill Indiana, Indiana if he killed Belloc? I think because so. Because like after, after they go outside, it's like they don't, they don't kill him. Like he's not surrounded by kids anymore. They're just chill. Right. But like, I don't know, it seems like the point is to protect Belloc, not just to kill exactly. Indiana if right. Belloc dies. <laughs> because they That's were chill before, they were all chill before he pulled his gun or was about to. Um, yeah. But another thing with what you were saying about the daringness of Indiana Jones and his character, you really wonder if he's actually going to do it. Like, it's true. Uh, when he goes for his gun, you're like, oh, he's actually going to kill him. Um, and, you know, I wish we got more of that where, like, maybe he actually did. We see that uh, actually, like, perfect point here. Uh, I missed this point, um, but 
the guy with the big sword. This is one of my favorite scenes. Uh-huh. Again, when the guy just comes out, the crowd clears, he's just swinging this big sword. Indiana rolls his eyes, pulls out his gun, and just shoots him. Um, you know the history behind that scene, right? Yeah, it was improvised, right? Yeah, because he, he, was, he was sick, I'm pretty sure, that day. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do the big choreographed fight scene. He was like, can I just shoot him? Yeah, <laughs> like, so he sure. just did. I think it's really effective. It, it seems yeah, like it, it's, it's way character. better than a fight, in my opinion. I like it. Because then we get the fight on the airplane with the big wrestling yeah. guy. Um, so then, uh, did you have anything you want to touch on with the whole basket chasing and all that stuff? Mm, no. Okay. Uh, let's see. So then they go back to Sala's house. We see the guy poison the dates. The monkey, uh, obviously, is like the bird in any... Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind use this as well, where the bird, there was a bird in a cage. Uh, this has got to be in other movies too, where they have a bird in a cage just to know if the air is... Arrival. It was an arrival. They have a bird in a cage just to know if the air is safe. Yeah. Um, so... I still, they, uh, I haven't seen Arrival, but in Lone Ranger, they played around with that. If the movie that, or the tw- like the, the show? 20, the 2013 one, the movie. I did see that. I saw it once and uh, I wasn't... He has that dead crow. Yeah. He puts it in a cage and they come out of the little tunnel or whatever to show mm-hmm. that it's dead or whatever to scare away the miners. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that's the closest Indiana Jones comes to death and Raiders. Right, yeah. from the monkey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so and then, all these uh, things and it's the monkey. That slow-mo <laughs> shot of the date in the air after he throws it up in his mouth uh, and then Sala just catches it. Bad date bad dates (laughs) just that little one-liner i love that uh and then of course we get the the famous map room sequence everything about this scene i absolutely love from the Mm -hmm. music to the cinematography to the set design uh you see like the germans writing on the the wrong location and like this is where it is it's they're writing in german on red pen or red ink um i love how nonchalant they are about throwing the rod down and then just lowering the rope. They look so casual about it. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to see here. Yeah. The, just that, that pan up to his face with the music Mm. blaring. is just like the most transcending thing. Like I feel like I'm just lifting out of my body. It's just so amazing. Um, and I always thought, so this confused me all the way up until literally my most recent viewing of Raiders. Mm-hmm. I've seen the movie like definitely over 20 times. Um, <clears throat> at least I, I assume so. But uh, that's whenever afterwards the Nazi flag drops down on him. Yeah, yeah. And I was confused by this. I too. always thought that meant he got captured. Right, me too. And, but but then like the next scene, they're just shown in the camp. I'm like, wait, what happened? What and happened? now I yeah. realize Solo was just using them tied together because they as took a rope the rope to get him out. Yeah, it was, and, and they, they t- didn't actually yeah. capture the Solo. They just told him to get back to work because he actually worked for them. I was like, this makes sense now. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't occur yeah. to me. The reason I was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, yeah. I always thought that too because then I was like, oh, okay, so now he's gonna get thrown down in the well of Solo and Marion. So like my yeah, I missed that just that chunk of. Um, the cinematography in that scene is great. And then we get the awesome, the scene where Indiana Jones is just dusting off his hat. And we got the sunset behind him and the silhouettes just there. Um, the silhouette of them digging. Man, doesn't just, does he, uh, doesn't he find Marion before that? Isn't it like right yeah, after right. the well of souls, right. he finds her, but then he's like, no, nah, I got a skirt on you. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Right after the uh, map room. Because the yeah. Well of Souls, um, the Well of Souls comes Those, later, I think. 
Yeah, it goes into a random tent. It's just conveniently. Yeah. Or it's kind of a hole, but it's fine. Yeah, um, and I yeah, like then the, then the Well of Souls happens, and with paired with that those lightning strikes of them digging is Marion and Belloc having their meal. Right. So those at the same time. Which, uh, that's just great drunk acting on both of their parts, I think. Yeah. I mean, and that's when Marion brings in her drinking game skills again uh, from the beginning, her introduction. Um, so that mirror is uh, really good. The great um, weapon teased with the, the yes, coat hanger. Yes, the coat hanger. <laughs> I Phenomenal. laugh my head off every time. It's great. Yeah, it's best. That's he just best. takes it out, the horror on Marion's face, mm-hmm. and Belloc, too. Belloc has yeah, a... Ter- Belloc's like... Because <laughs> oh. he's drunk, of course, and he's not in his right mind. Um, Belloc is actually a surprisingly emotional character. I think that he... He is. Especially yeah. when they... I mean, this is jumping ahead just a little bit, but when uh, him and Marion, they throw her down there with, with Jones, you know? Like, I thought it was shocking... Every time uh, my mind just tricks me into thinking, oh, he's just going to catch her. They're going to throw her in the catcher. But then she grabs onto the statue there. The tooth breaks. She falls. She actually hits like her side on the statue. Yeah, she does. It's so like, that's getting beat up. That's. Yeah. And you could tell that Belloc did care. I mean, as much as he probably would have abused her if they were like in an actual marriage, he actually did care. And he wasn't drunk anymore at that point. No. So. And I think the scene where she's screaming and then we, they close it. Right. Yeah. It cuts right. I'm pretty back sure to him. Belloc, mm-hmm. Belloc like closes his eyes. He closes or something. his eyes. Yeah. That scream cut off is great. Yeah. Um, but in between all that, we get the well of souls when they find the edges. It's just so satisfying watching the dust come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially <clears throat> in the map room too. I, I forgot this point. Uh, when he's blowing like the the dust yeah. away to see the hieroglyphics, it's just so cool. Uh, but then they open it up. Sala screams, of course, <laughs> because they see the big statue with its mouth open there. Um, and then we get the famous line that I used at the end of the last episode to tease this one: "Snakes. Why does it have to be snakes?" Asps. Um, very dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Sala's great. Sala is just. Yeah. his writing is he's i would almost call him the comedic relief because then he always breaks into song yeah i probably would. i am the monarch of the sea, the sea. <laughs> um but yeah then they lift the ark which looks so heavy it looks like, really uh, heavy i mean i think the the cover was way heavier than the ark mm-hmm. itself but that was huge and then of course the r2d2 and c3po hieroglyphs yes. in the background it's great those. yes yeah. um and just it's so realistic too when they're lifting it up because you would think, oh, they're going to be perfectly level, right? When yeah, I was watching not. it, yeah, Sala's side is up a little bit. Yeah, it was great. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Because if it was, it would be awesome if it was like perfectly level, of course. But it wouldn't be realistic. Yeah, yeah I so love that. It's great. It is um, perfect. Um, so then Mary gets thrown down there with them after Sala comes up. And he thinks Sala betrayed him. Uh, but it was just Belloc, you know. Yeah, I love how I love how he just instantly assumed that too. He was right. like Salah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many people have betrayed him at this point. He's like expecting it. Right, because I wonder then. I mean, that could have been a boy who cried wolf situation when he gets thrown down the Nazi flag. I wonder if he thought that Salah had betrayed him. Yeah, maybe. Um, and that might then he might have been like, oh, maybe my assumption was right. So maybe that's why he was so quick to think that that was why. Uh, maybe maybe Belloc was the, the original 
betrayer. Right. Maybe that's his Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like he's, it's like almost this trauma, this kind of expecting the worst. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I really like this dialogue between Belloc and uh, Belloc and Indy when he's just like, hello, Dr. Jones yeah. <laughs> from the top. And then this, so this was just, uh, I just want to just go on on a quote. It's just a quote spew right here. Uh, so once again, Jones, what was briefly yours is now mine. What a fitting end to your life's pursuits. <laughs> You're about to become a permanent addition to this archaeological find. Who knows, in a thousand years, maybe you'll be worth you'll something. You'll be worth something. <laughs> and then I love this part. It's just like, ha, 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 son, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> it's just like, Harrison so good. Ford is so good in that scene. Um, and I feel like Belloc almost doesn't want to take Marion down there with him. And the guy who, whose face gets melted first, um, I don't know his name, but he's kind of like the thin-faced soldier. Oh, yeah, um, the guy, his head. Uh, what happens to him? His face doesn't his melt. Face, um, yeah, it, it just like, runs. It implodes, it? I think. No, the guy with the glasses is the one who runs. You're right, you're right. And then Belloc explodes. He... It does go back, you're right, because then his, the whites of his eyes are there. See. I'm going to look it up real quick, actually. Um, Anyways, that guy, he calls Belloc out on his disfaith. Yeah, he does. To, uh, to defure her. So, um, um, let me I'm pretty sure it, like, implodes. But uh, oh, here it is. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're kind of, yeah, it, like, his cheeks go in and then yeah. blood comes down his eyes he gets are white. kind of gaunt yeah um so yeah kind of the very but you can hear it you can hear a squish sound effect actually goes like right whereas it's, yeah the black dressed guy just goes like melting yeah it just yeah right like his face melts but his skull is still it's there phenomenal so that's like it's actually great. a uh that's a mold of right. him that mm -hmm. they you know put a heat fan on and if you ever melted. get a chance they had to make uh, multiple layers yeah to the listener if you ever get the chance definitely watch the special effects behind the scenes for this movie yeah. uh, a lot of it is great especially the youtuber with the too who created like recreated that made of really? like that you can watch that yeah oh man uh, i i think that still holds up pretty well oh yeah i mean as I, cartoonish as it looks as the idea is it's still is really graphic, especially Belloc's head blowing up too. I think old visual effects are always going to look better than computer-made effects. Like practical effects are always better, in my opinion. Because you know it's and, real. Yeah, you know yeah. it's real. And that's something It Chapter 2 suffered a ton from. Mm -hmm. Every single scary thing was computer-generated. And The Shining, yeah. you don't see any computer-generated. Like, you can tell that's real stuff. Like and the cuts, um, it just when, makes it scarier. Yeah, when they see the twins, when Danny sees the twins in the hallway, and yeah. they start shining and seeing them dead, just laying there. Yeah, and that gets me because you know that's the actors laying there with the blood all over them and on the walls yeah. and the axe wounds. Ooh, just whatever that weird bear thing was at the end, dude. I, I don't know there what it. was going on between like him and the hotel, dude. I don't know no, what yeah. that scene was, but that disturbed me. I was like, what the hell is this? No, like, yeah. why? So what is even happening? Yeah, so if like, we wanted to take this tangent, we definitely can. I was watching a new Rockstars video that broke down The Shining, and they're saying that perhaps um, violent abuse uh, wasn't the only thing that Jack had done to Danny. And so we see Danny framed with bears in a lot of the scenes. 
Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially when he wakes up from his trance with Tony the first time when he sees the, uh, when he sees the ho- elevator full of blood. We could just do a shining podcast. Sometime. Dude, my heart rate is getting up. I know. Just thinking about the shining. It's just, <laughs> I'm sweating. I've only seen it once. I'm just like trying, I'm remembering it. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need, to, I need so, to see it again. Yeah. According to the book, the guy who sits up from the bed, um, the bear that guy, guy is, no, not the bear guy. The or, guy or the, the other, the other guy was the hotel the, manager. I think yeah. He was a hotel manager um, yeah. in the past and he was a known homosexual. And so um, when, when Shelley Duvall's character, Wendy, when Wendy sees that, um, it's ultra horrifying because I mean, why wouldn't it be? Uh, it's just, it's just yeah. pretty scary because obviously it's they're ghosts. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. Weird is the right word for that. Um, because the bear costume and everything, the way it just zooms in. Too. Yeah. Uh, Did you Stanley like Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so it great. There's Danny like... in the game room too. And then, zoom in you know <laughs> yeah it's so weird um and you know we're 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 afraid of what we don't understand so exactly. there's an aspect of that where it doesn't need to be explained like it's just disturbing as hell because that's what and that's, it is and that's why i love the shining especially yeah there's it so is, much mystery about it that that's it's why it's awesome. terrifying yeah um and it's really cool that the, i know my i'm just kind of sweating here too uh the heart rate uh sorry not the heart rate hmm. well the overlook it's just cool that the shining and Indiana Jones have these kind of parallels, you know. Yeah. What was um, our original parallel we were talking about? I can't even. The Well of Souls in the big stair room, you know. Yeah, they were filmed in the same, same. soundstage. Yeah. How did we? How did we get to the horror stuff though? Faces melting. Yes. Uh, so, practical effects. Think, practical effects. Yeah, yeah. Practical effects. Sorry, we're just following yeah. back our tangent. <laughs> there. Uh, all right. So I, th- okay, this brings me to the probably my favorite part of the movie, which is. The big, so as soon as they get out of the Well of Souls to when they get on the boat, this is just some of the best action film sequence I've ever seen. I think this is this oh, the rivals. Truck chase? Yeah, this rivals the Dark Knight chase. I think. Um, I mean, I think they're just very different genres, but yeah. I mean, both of it's... them, both of them have like these epic, like these big trucks, you know. But yeah, I, I think you are right. Different goals trying to happen but it is this MacGuffin because Harvey Dent in a way is the MacGuffin of that chase and the arc is the is the MacGuffin in this chase um so uh anyways just some of my favorite parts of that um I love it when Indy's sneaking up on the plane and then the guy comes behind him he kicks him in the face like the tension that gets built up with those propellers uh they're just there and it's spinning because Marion took the brakes off, you know, the little, the blocks, she took those off. So it's the tension built up by the propellers and the spinning is just great because you, it, there are so many close calls. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I just love that. It still gets me because I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy is literal seconds from being chopped up, which we obviously then see with the big brawler guy. Um, that is probably the most, I mean, the blood that comes, especially towards the end of the fight when Indy's just going at him, you know, punch after punch uh, with, <laughs> with the blood spurting everywhere from his nose, from his mouth. Um, and the first punch the brawler guy gets on him, Indy's on his, Indy's on his butt. Yeah, he's like, he's already on the, on the ground. <laughs> um, 
you can tell he's already tired because he was obviously just up through the night digging for the well of souls. He already, you know, yeah, got all this he, stuff he had there. just done. What did, what had he just done? He had just done the truck chase, right? Is that right uh, this before? is right before. This is right before the truck chase. Oh, this is before the truck chase. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he had just escaped the wheel of souls with the snakes and then the skeletons. Yeah, which yeah. that that prop design for the skeletons is very realistic. Good stuff. And I don't I don't know how I feel about like the there are ghost noises going on in the sound mixing when Marion. There runs is into some the wacky stuff going on. Yeah. Like some of the. To bring it back to The Shining again, like in the opening sequence of The Shining, we hear all these ghost voices. Like, it's it's really chilling. But um, I think I it's supposed to it just be in inside of her mind. I think it's just supposed to. Oh, be yeah. oh that's a good take her, on it. Yeah, her, I hadn't thought about that. Like she gets stressed and it's all inside her head. Whereas The Shining, it's. I mean, the place is actually haunted, so there's probably real yeah. in a sense. The characters exactly. can't hear it, but it's letting us hear it to know, hey, this place is possessed. By the way, Loki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Um, but then I think there's so much going on here because Belloc is on a different site at this point. They just drove away in a car, uh, but then he sees the explosion of the fuel truck uh, because the fuel truck goes up uh, and then the fuel starts leaking. And then uh, there's, this, there's this scene where the, the, fire, the, the fire is going along with the plane as just as it's turning as well after the guy gets chopped up in the propellers. Also, tons of blood. Uh, I remember in Captain America, the winner, uh, the first Avenger, my bad. Remember they're on the plane and then some other guy gets chopped up in, in a propeller. Uh, but there's oh, not yeah. nearly as much blood then, I don't think. I think it was just like a cloud. I think because they were actually flying. So it just yeah, they were actually away. flying. Um, but then the multiple shots, like we get this razor sound effect when he gets chopped up and then the blood splatters all over the swastika and the window Marion's in. Marion goes yeah. through some stuff in this movie. It's It's crazy. It's true. Like, I'm surprised she's as chipper as she is by the end of it. You would think she's like Wendy Torrance, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think her character's set up to be the opposite of Wendy. Yeah, actually. To be as if independent and strong as she is. Right. And Wendy, who refuses to leave Jack. Whereas, yeah, Wendy is very, I mean, until the very end, she's very, uh, what's the word? Um, not like insecure, but not independent um, like unprotected i can't think of the word right now but um no, i know what you mean yeah yeah um and then we get into the the chase scene where indy's on a horse and those shots with the indiana jones theme playing you know he's running and stuff I, it's just so amazing uh did you have anything you wanted to say about that little airplane sequence there first no not really I think it's I think it's interesting how uh I always I sometimes wonder what it would have been like if they had gotten on the plane because the first thing he says is like we're gonna be on that plane before it goes away. So right. I wonder how it would have played out in that scenario. But yeah. Yeah, Otherwise, you're right. No. I think the plan was to take the arc on the plane and then they loaded it on the truck. Um yeah. if I'm remembering properly. Uh so then we get this chase sequence. Indy starting on a horse, climbing on a truck, and then he swings in through the window, kicks this guy out the door. And then I thought it was, it, there's this really weird shot because they go through this town and then you see a civilian just on the hood of the truck and he looks in and there's this weird lingering shot on the guy's face. He's making like a, an, oh, oh, I'm, I'm on top of a truck face. It, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was kind of weird to me. 
And then they both laugh, and then Indiana Jones just punches him out of the truck. Uh, that whole truck thing, and props to those stunt guys who got like I know, trees right? and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the guys on the side of the truck, especially with the palm trees, just knocking them off. Yeah. And then uh, I love Indy's little smirk when he sees the guys coming up on his right in the rearview mirror and he just jerks the truck to the right and knocks him mm-hmm. over. And then he, he actually like, he's such a jerk when he knocks, not a jerk, but you know, like it's like, it's severely badass when he knocks over the sidecar into the river there. Um, it's just great stunt stuff. Um, and Indy takes- guy comes up and actually shoots him. Yeah, Indy takes a tables. beating. Yeah, Indy takes a huge beating during this part. Um, blood spurts everywhere. Like, they hit an artery for sure. Because there's blood on the windshield. I, I'm pretty sure True. the first shot, blood hits the camera. Um, really? I don't remember, but I, I, I'm pretty sure. Because I know there was, a, there was definitely airborne blood in that part. Um, uh so basically then, right after that i mean he targets his wound a lot but then he throws him through the windshield, through the windshield and then he's holding on the hood has to go all under and everything like on the on the whip just always great right? my mom was always like that's not possible i'm like i bet it is i bet i can do it oh, you, like, you want to try it you want to try it mom and, let's go outside we'll try it <laughs> and it's great because he turns around and just does the exact same thing to the other guy exactly. throws him over the hood and the music picks up never does that it goes like a step higher, like dun, 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 dun. And, and that guy, of course, he's no Indiana Jones, so he just falls and dies. Um, exactly. And then he revs forward and hits Belloc's guard. I was like, oh no. Well, and then he runs over the guy. I forgot the shot was in the yeah, movie. Yeah, he's when... just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I remembered, like, my mind just remembered, uh, just a little bump when Indy was driving. But no, it like shows the guy's oh, arms. It shows and his legs, legs and arms <laughs> fly up. Uh, and then he revs and hits Belloc's car. Um, th- this was just like one of the great f- chase scenes ever and then uh, I for- so I forget you're going to have to remind me the Germans at that point did not have the Ark right they were loading the Ark no. onto Jones got the- had it in his car right and then they loaded it onto Katanga's Katanga's boat. the boat captain yeah, yeah. Uh, they loaded it on there and that's when the arc starts to like heat up and then burn the box, right? Uh, no, it heats up. Well, is it? I'm pretty sure. That's no, during. No, 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 no. It heated up and burned the box on the German submarine. That's poetic. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I was just having. Also, Katanga is Kingsley Shackleboat. If you didn't know that. Really, I did not know yeah. that. Yes. We got all these different ties here. It's interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. <clears throat> Yeah. He's way younger. I mean, 1981 yeah, he's, he's definitely, to like yeah. 2000. Like 30 years younger. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm almost positive. It's yeah. but, uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to add on the whole truck chase scene? No, that's about it. All right. So then we get this awesome scene between Marion and Indy uh, with um, he's like showing her all the parts that doesn't hurt uh, there's this yeah, one part where, yeah she flips the mirror and it hits him that's the best scene. and he screams so loud yeah and then they cut out of the boat and yeah. they show the thing and she's like did you say something <laughs> i love that scene it's awesome that's the best joke in the movie in my opinion i think so too i love that scene um so then we get the germans boarding the ship 
I love the framing because Indy is in the, uh, Indy's in the like, I don't know what you would call it. It's like this pipe, you know, he's just the chilling exhaust there. Pipe. Yeah. The exhaust yeah. pipe. He's just chilling there. And there's a German soldier just standing right there. You only see like the top part of his nose up to his eyes. And he just looks so indifferent. He's not trying to listen yeah. or anything. He's just like laid back. It's kind of comical. Yeah. It's like, why it are you is. hiding? Right. <laughs> you just have to see what's going on. Right. Yeah. It's like the meme with the dog in the like popping just out of the yacht, you know, when it zooms in. I'm not sure. But uh, uh, I mean, I kind of feel that though. Cause like whenever I'm hiding, I'm not like a sketch person, but whenever I'm hiding, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, some, sometimes, you know, just scenarios in which you're hiding, you usually want to look and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I do that all the time. But I'm like, but realistically the best way to hide would be to where I'm not looking because you know, if they can't see you, you, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be able to see them. Right. And I think it's, it's like a toddler like, whenever they're playing hide and just go seek, they're like, they can't see me. I'm hidden. So yeah. Actually, you're right there. <laughs> you're right there. Um, Peekaboo, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that also happens in Jurassic Park where the kids just have to look at the velociraptors when they're hiding yep. in the kitchen. We see that as well. You um, we need to just stay behind the door or wherever it is. Exactly. <laughs> Those kids are geniuses in that movie. Their hiding spots are just perfect. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, uh, but let's see um there we go and then i get chills at this point when indy swims they're like we have to find dr jones he's got to be here somewhere and then there's like look there he is and he's climbing the submarine and then and then his theme blares john williams goes to town and you see all the crewmates just doing the tuscan raider thing you know their arms. (laughs) 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 it's great and then they're like then you see katanga just salute him oh it's it's awesome I mean, I, I can't help but wonder if that submarine ever went underwater. Right? <laughs> because he did lash himself to the boat. Um, You're right. He did. Yeah, he was holding on to like this. Super. You know, like he actually lashed himself like with a rope. If you look, there's like a really? there's a scene they cut that shows it better. But that scene where they pull up to the island, if you look really closely, right outside that little deck or whatever, he's like straight up against the, the wall, <laughs> the door, or whatever, and there's like rope around him. I guess for just in case they went underwater, he would stay attached to the right. boat. But like, then he can't breathe. So I don't really understand that part, but yeah, well, you don't have to think about it much. Yeah, no. <laughs> they <laughs> just, just hope no it, one so. comes on deck, I guess, if you're above water all the time. Exactly. Because if, yeah, you would think that people would need to. Um, Maybe he just takes them out one on one by one as they come. <laughs> we could use a hand up here. <laughs> Pulls a Han Solo. Uh, so then um, I love this scene too when he, he beats up the guy for his his jacket, but it's too short. And then the other German soldier comes up. He punches him in the gut and then knees him and catches the cap. He knees yeah. him in the face and catches the cap and just puts it on. If that's not just one of the coolest parts, I I, I don't know what is. Um, to me, I don't know. This is kind of like a personal bias that I mm-hmm. fully can't explain. But for some <laughs> reason, every single time the movie reaches this point, and it transitions into the submarine bay it kind of loses me I for agree. a second you know like, i have this terrible uh memory I, it might be associated with the lego video game really it really might be because i absolutely hated that level you had to get out of the submarine bay i was yeah, stumped on is, it for so long i don't know i think it is i think it is very much so the the location like the whole right. set and everything like it's cool but like i feel like it just took this 
darker, literally darker, like mm-hmm. it's darker in the room, turn, and it just feels boring for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess maybe it's because the characters aren't doing as much. Maybe it's more focused on the arcs yeah. movement rather than the other character. I don't really know what it is about There's it. There's just not much going on. I think Belloc has like this really out of yeah. place line too. He's just yelling. It's too much of an expedition jump, especially for Lawrence Kasdan because he's like, good, prepare it at the altar for me. I will be there shortly. And it's not really yeah. a Belloc thing to say. You know, he's like shouting in broad daylight too. I mean, of I course, could, he doesn't know Jones is there, but... I could see it being a Belloc thing to say. I mean, if he's getting excited about the whole altery thing. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's certainly peculiar. And usually as, that subway, subway, submarine <laughs> scene will end sooner than I expect it to. Like, every time it starts, I'm like, oh, I have to sit oh, all the way through the right. submarine part. It's like but a five minutes. But then it minutes. ends pretty quickly. I'm like, oh, that wasn't actually that bad. Why do I always fear this thing yeah why do i always get like that pit <laughs> what's you know? so bad about your the stomach sub- just should, kind of sinks you're like uh maybe i should write well. a video essay on that what <laughs> so bad about the submarine bay scene yeah <laughs> what gets yeah that is yeah i was wondering if you felt that too i wasn't going to say anything because i was like oh it's probably just my personal bias as you said yeah. but like yeah do you have comments I, I don't know why for the podcast people would leave comments like depending on where yeah uh yeah so you can um you can either message me on instagram uh just tag the episode I guess just say what episode you're talking about, or you could leave a message on the anchor website. So, um, so let us know voice message. all who's listening. If y'all have a weird turn off to the submarine. Yeah. If, bay scene, if it loses you there. It's good to know. Start yeah. to, I need to start a, a sign sheet. Everyone who it's a weird feeling, right? It is just kind of, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's like almost a desperate feeling in my stomach. I'm just like, Oh, well here we are yeah submarine okay. base scene oh the movie's still going okay yeah the framing is kind of weird <laughs> in that scene too uh i it almost seems like a green screen unless that's just my memory it almost seems not as detailed as the other sets hmm. i mean it's a submarine bay but um and it then, does seem it's just kind of bland i think it's just it, kinda, yeah huh? i think so too besides like the swastika like it looks like it was just a sound stage they just like okay well here's the submarine you know yeah <laughs> in a sound stage um what what comes after that scene right after that is, is do the they directly scene. go into the yeah it they're is. just marching through the canyon <clears throat> beggar's canyon just right yeah. there. and then we get the fly in his mouth which is great which is That's actually awesome. i found out not entirely real right so they removed the fly, a couple frames. yeah they removed a couple of frames where it flew away but it looks perfect um it does. And then we just have the, you know, the trial between Jones and Belloc where we think, okay, Jones is going to choose the woman, but of course not. Right. Um, and Belloc is, knows that too, so it does how well they know each other. They're, they're the same person. just Yeah, on side. which is actually different because we get the same feeling when he's about to kill Belloc in the restaurant, remember? We get the same feeling, oh, is he going to do it? In yeah. this one, we're like, oh, he's not going to do it. Yeah, I think we like, already know he's not blowing up the arc. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his facial expression is just too perfect for that part as well. It's it's kind of bland, but also not really. It's almost just like, oh, you got me. You, you're calling my bluff. Um, you know, because I like think apologies was, to my uh, girlfriend. I wouldn't blow up the arc. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'll come with you, but like, I won't blow. It up belongs in a museum. <laughs> Plus, like, if he did, they would have probably killed them all anyways. Really. Right. Exactly. I mean, they had her. Down. They were really like, and it, it really is an empty threat that's kind of dumb yeah. 
of him to do. But I love his hello. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's great. Um, so but, then he joins them, of course. Yeah. And the procession begins. They make it to the top of the the island. And all the set up stuff. I always think it's going to be like the refrigerator in Ghostbusters. And as soon as they open it, the portal's going to be there. But then they reach in and they see the sand. And then the portal yeah. comes. So, um, biblically, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, if you touch it, you die. Literally, yeah. if you touch anything besides the poles that you used to carry it, then you die. Um, but, uh, I mean, I guess they were taking some... I mean, they were just taking their uh, liberties there to... Okay, so they're going to lift it up. And then they're going to touch the sand. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a definitely a, a huge look, <clears throat> sorry, of disappointment on Belloc's face. And then I can't remember his name, the guy, the high pitched guy with the burnt hand. Yeah. Um, he starts laughing like, "Oh, you yeah. fool! You he look, does. you lost again." So I, I, they must think the arc's fake in that moment, just because of the sand. Yeah. But then, of course, it turns out to be real. So I guess it's just the Ten Commandments have deteriorated into sand over thousands right. of years. Yeah. That's always slightly uh, confused me. But I because that's where they were kept. I mean, mm-hmm. that and then the bread and the wine, that is the covenant. So that was what was all stored in there. Um, I think there was something else, too, but it's skipping, escaping my mind at the moment. Um, so then we see the portal and the ghosts come out. Um, I, I don't know. Those sound those effects don't really hold up too well, like the painted in ghosts, because they're moving pretty fast when they're big wide shots. But when it zooms on, when it zooms in on Belloc, and then they show the like the ghost painted on that they're frame, slow. As well. it's really slow. So yeah. um, that always kind of threw me off. But then we get uh, the uh, let me see. Um, then we get the 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 look at the uh lightning fire power of god or something you know oh, yeah and then it just charges through them it reminds me of uh palpatine's electric shock you know in battlefront 2 you know <laughs> it's just uh yeah. i forget what it's called but um it just goes and marion and indiero are closing their eyes close your point. eyes yeah exactly take that as you will i mean i yeah. guess it's just I, I don't know. I, it, it's kind of confusing as to like why I, I guess they're saying that's what protects them. I think what's protecting them is actually their intent of what they're going to do with the arc. Right. Uh, yeah. But I don't see why they would have to close their eyes if what's protecting them is actually just their intention. So, right. I yeah. I mean, because uh, if it's just the eyes, I mean, the ghosts are flying all around them. It, you could almost say it's like the angel of death, you know, um, because of their intent, because of their goodwill for the yeah. art, it's different. So um, the eye closing thing, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Spielberg's and Kasdan's original idea was that the eye closing thing saved them, and they weren't even thinking about the intent. Right. <laughs> I feel like they might have been. I'm like, well, you accidentally created something kind of philosophically correct and like, <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. uh, but you're wrong in thinking that it was just the eyes about you're wrong about your own story <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah hopefully they were thinking about the intention and the hopefully, eyes yeah. thing was just for fun i guess right well because i mean even in greek myth if you look at the gods you die So, like if you look at zeus you die i guess they were just mm. you know who knows yeah i mean yeah it's true 
maybe like, it, maybe there's just the fear to that like it could corrupt them or something right i mean yeah better safe I mean, than sorry yeah but then <laughs> I, I always wondered so like it obviously gets quiet and you see the arc lid come flying down and then land perfectly mm-hmm. um beautiful shot the music blares shows the entire island the arc lid is just soaring up to the clouds yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's like so a, almost like a reverse symbol crash. Like it just like kind of gets sucked in. Mm-hmm. Um, Tenet, this the soundtrack for Tenet had a lot of that stuff. You know, oh, yeah, like you're right. reversing. You know, kind of like yeah, kind of like that kind of stuff. Um, I don't even know how this movie's PG with this end scene. It, like if PG thirteen wasn't a thing, then you would think people after seeing this movie would start talking about it, and not after Temple of Doom. Um, at least just unless people didn't have a sense because if you, if you compare this with, uh, I think, let me check real quick. I think the Goonies came out around the same time. Oh gosh. Um, Send help. Yeah. 1985. I hate it. You don't like the Goonies? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> well, you don't like stand by me either. So this is really interesting. I know. Do you like the Sandlot? I can't. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay. So I, I remember enjoying like it more than, but also I watched it when I was young. I watched right. The Goonies on a plane and then finished it at home. And then I watched, uh, what was the other one? Stand By Me at home. Oh my gosh, both of them were misery. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I think those are, maybe you Goonies just don't like was better. Goonies was better than Stand By Me. Really? You sure. actually bought into Goonies more? You? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, than, man. I liked it more than Stand By Me. I think Stand By Me is a... a a gem i think that's like uh-huh. the best i think it's the best coming of age movie really yeah i think so um we can i we actually should... love spider-man homecoming as a coming of age movie yeah yeah i like it both as a superhero movie oh not really as a superhero movie because the climax isn't too too much you know just well the scene where he chooses more. to remain neighborhood spider-man i love it yeah. i think that is the true you know normally coming of age you do something grander but for him yeah. something grander was just being the neighborhood guy mm-hmm. and that made him feel older than just becoming an Avenger, in my opinion right so i think so too i mean i love that decision especially then we get the we get the tease of the iron spider armor and then um yeah you know and then it was given to him very soon but oh uh, well <laughs> just yeah. like right in the next movie yeah the next something. movie uh um but, but yeah then raiders uh after the whole island bit were you done with the island bit yeah yeah, the island's done so then there's just instantly transitions to where is the ark is it it is safe top men top Top men men. (laughs) like yeah and then marion of course is like you know oh did you not get your little boy yeah (laughs) and he's all depressed but he looks cute whenever he's depressed and stuff right (laughs) i relate to this personally because i get you know sad about this this stuff my girlfriend once texted me um in the past saying um i had been on a facetime call with her talking about how i couldn't afford some lego thing yeah and i was like yeah she screenshotted it sent it to me a couple days later she's like you're so cute whenever you can't afford your lego and it's like you're right on the edge of the line you're right on the edge of the line yeah you better not talk about me not affording Lego like that. Because, uh, yeah, then it's a good thing, right? <laughs> if you can't afford your Lego, then it's, you know. Uh, uh, so. so 
that was related. Well, it was just it was really funny. And then I think that's our last scene with Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's the last one. They go off for drinks, yeah. and then we see the Ark being wheeled into what we then in uh, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull realize is Area Fifty One. Fantastic scene. Fantastic painting. Yeah, too. that I know, right? Painting. Yeah, yeah. At the end, um, it's great. The big storage room scene. Yeah. I love that. The music too. It's very music. map room uh, dawn reminiscent and then blends into the main theme. Yeah. And then the credits just start rolling. And yeah. I think this is, uh, I don't know if it's a, one of the best endings, but um, I think it's definitely up there because I mean, the characters kind of come to a close, but we kind of realize that they're probably going to come back. Um, and they do. Yeah, we I haven't had because there's no grand ending at all. No, for, there's like, not the characters. Like, just not ends. the characters, especially. Yeah. Um, um, I think if we did not have the Area 51 scene, though, it would not work at all. No, not like at there's all. such a sense of closure to that, especially with John Williams' score. It's like yes. the most closing thing. Yeah, which is why I'm glad. I was like, oh, are they going to bring back the Ark of the Covenant when they were Area 51, right? And we see the Covenant. The arc yeah. in the um a lot of people don't like that easter egg i love it i don't know I love what there it. is to I hate it. about it i, I, I love it um, I one thing be... we did did not no, cover which isn't super important but whenever uh indy gets told he can go after the arc you're right you're right when they go back comes to, to talk house. yeah that's the, the only time we see indy's house in the whole franchise and right. um i'm pretty well and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think they might go back to his house. I don't know if it's the same house, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marcus brings up religion and everything. We find out Henry isn't really that religious, which is right. interesting, even though he was really raised religious. So I feel like by the time Temple of Doom comes back around, or Crusade comes back around, I feel like his religious side is probably returned to some degree. Right. Um, but not without the fantasiful, fantasy, whatever, without the, the, the fantasy side, because you know he's not behind denying the existence of aliens and crystal skulls. Right. Yeah. But he <laughs> is also for acknowledging the existence of God. By the right. time Crusade comes around, which is interesting. Yeah. And Marion is actually introduced in that scene. Right. Marcus talking about her. Yeah, you're right. Uh, through exposition. Uh, I forget how it went, not not necessarily exposition, but through the dialogue, um, and then her theme um, starts playing. Well, actually, yeah. Well, Indiana Jones seems excited, and you assume it's the Ark, and then uh, uh, Marion says, or Indiana Jones says, "You think she'll be with him?" Yeah. And that's whenever you can tell he's excited, and you're like, "Wait, what? Why is he excited?" And Marcus is like, well, "I don't know, Indy. It's been ten years, and blah blah blah." Right. So. And then her theme starts playing, and then it transitions to the arc theme when they start talking about the arc again, which I really yeah. enjoyed. It's like, it's like nothing um, you've ever gone after before. Right. That transition, John Williams knows what's up. I'm pretty sure John Williams makes most of the movies that we love now. Uh, I think that part of, his, part of the legacy of these movies is the score. Because before I even saw the movie, I know what the Indiana Jones theme was. You know? Well, that's impressive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a testament to... I'm, I'm sure if you asked somebody what the Imperial March was, they wouldn't be able to tell you, but they would recognize it if you started playing it for them, you know? If they had seen There are a ton of movies that I know the scores to that I've not seen, except maybe like Transformers. 
I don't even if know. If I that heard one. it, if I heard the theme, I might know it just because I, I listened to a lot of epic music and a lot of them have yeah, covers right. of Transformers or something. Um, so yeah, so, yeah, or maybe like the Skyrim theme, but I listened to it a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I didn't play the game much. I mean, but... I know the Halo theme. Yeah, uh, you could talk too. about it through memes or like Duel of the Fates, yeah. for example. I'm pretty sure so many people who haven't seen that movie might know Duel of the Fates. Yeah, because it is in a lot of me. Hopefully, I mean, if you I know a guy, you don't know Duel of the um, Fates. You know Jaden. Nellis? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he and I were working together to make a score for my TV show I was working on a while back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, it's a great version of the, the, the Duel of the Fates. And he's like, Duel of the Fates? Like, yeah, it's our <laughs> song. And I was like, you got to hear it. I played it. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm like, do, do you recognize this? And he's like, no. What? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it was Samuel Kim's version. I was like, let me play the original. Let me play the original. So I played the yeah. original and he was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, you know, but I don't, he did not know Duel Fates. I was like, how does this man how? not know right. Duel Fates? <laughs> I was like, have you seen Star Wars? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, long time ago. Okay. Especially the prequels, I think John Williams really makes those movies. Oh, yeah. I, I think under- scores are very underrated especially just like in the common world like in the movie world maybe they're appreciated more but the common right. world very underrated and i really do think scores are i don't know what the f- most important aspect of a movie would be i feel like as much as i don't want to say acting acting is probably extremely important yeah because you know you can get behind a character who is acted well even if the plot around them is bad but score, I would say, is like possibly the second most important thing, which is why it's really hard for me to make movies and stuff because yeah. I always want to build something around a piece of music. Mm-hmm. But people don't do that. Directors don't do that. They they film something and then the composer builds their music around the film. Mm-hmm. That was something special with Joker. The music was made before the film. Before the film. And have you so, heard the theory that George Lucas wrote Star Wars off of john williams have you heard that there's like a conspiracy about that uh i don't know who the author is i don't know the specifics but um yeah i know that's a theory that's out there that george lucas wrote the star wars film the first one a new hope um to the score of that's interesting it is very interesting it'd be pretty cool if it was true I mean, maybe he made like the title crawl and then Williams made the theme and then he made the movie or something. Yeah, but, you're uh, right. And also, with, just like with... Oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, Interstellar, actually. Uh, Hans Zimmer was given one sheet of paper, front and back, with just some basic themes discussed in the movie. And he scored the entire thing off of that. And I think really? that's, that's kind of... Uh, if you know that, then looking back, you know that like the docking scene and the wave scene and... Like all that stuff sounds similar, and the stuff on Earth with the uh, ghost, Murph's ghost, and all that stuff. Um, like I'm sure they showed him the final copy and made variations to match right. like the specific scenes. But for right. me, like the hardest part would be editing, because I always edit to sounds and music. Like every single time I make something, I'm like, here's my song. I'm gonna edit yeah. to it. Like all my cuts, everything will match the song. Like I'm working on a little fan film right now that's been in the works i need to hurry up and make it i want to try to do it this weekend it's really brief it's like two minutes vader hunting a jedi but i have like the song picked out i'm like this is what i'm going to edit to so right. i can't imagine editing something with all the cuts with no music because you know yeah. songs they blare at certain moments in certain movies it's like how 
uh, I guess the composer will make it work, but I, that's just a lot of trust to put in their hands. Right. And it's, that scares me. I, yeah, uh, have you seen that. Baby I think Driver? that would be the hardest, I think that'd be the hardest part of filmmaking for me. Yeah. Um, yes, I have. And that's, that's why, awesome. like, I love, you know, Baby Driver, Guardians of the oh, Galaxy. Yeah. They have these songs that they have the rights for that they can know, okay, this scene, we're going to have this song playing. And I feel like that makes it so much easier to film a scene because you're like, you know, the exact mood. So like you can say this mood is happy, but like if you have a song, that's just like a, an entire specific mood that you can't explain without the song. Right. So, so I completely agree. Um, so <laughs> on to the top on the topic of uh, just some of the, the best stuff in this movie. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your favorite scene, uh, your favorite quotes, your favorite acting moments uh, and the, the part that gives you the most goosebumps, the part that you always, always gets it hyped up and makes you feel like I'm really watching Indiana Jones. This is, I'm in for it. Favorite scene and most goosebumps is Map Room Dawn. <laughs> Map Room scene plus Map Room Dawn theme song. That whole scene, marvelous, magnificent, every other word, bright, beautiful. Yeah. Ish, <laughs> everything um, is that scene. And then acting, of course, is going to come from Harrison Ford. Specific moment. I don't know. I think just his whole range all, all across the movie is phenomenal. Gotcha, and yeah. I think just his ability to encapsulate the character is great. He's not the best actor in that regards, in my opinion. Right. I agree. I feel like, I feel like sometimes you will uh, you know, watch a Harrison Ford movie and you really see Harrison Ford, which I don't like. Um, <laughs> you can watch a Christian Bale movie and you see the character right you know you don't see christian bale he vanishes um and, and you see the same thing oftentimes with samuel l jackson as very like samuel jackson is sam you look at him you know as sam jackson yeah so it, it, like with how hard that is for him but he, he disappears into roles too i completely see jules i completely see nick fury i completely see uh what's his name Django, sammy i think like i don't yeah. see sam jackson anymore but with harrison ford he, I mean, he's very good. I think the difference is like, I don't see, for example, I don't see Han Solo whenever I see Indiana Jones, which is great. But I think that's mostly right. just because of the beard. Probably. I think that's the main yeah. thing. I'd agree too. Um, so I don't think he disappears as well as like Christian Bale and stuff, but he definitely does a very good job for how prominent of an actor he is Yeah. Um, in that regard. And then what, what was the other thing? Favorite quote? Favorite quote, yeah. Um, I mean, I love the, why does it have to be snakes? <laughs> very dangerous you go right that's a classic one um yeah yeah all right and then so for me i'd uh, favorite scene um the trucks the truck chase i think from yeah. the moment they get out of well of souls and then when they get onto the boat that's my favorite sequence um i get goosebumps in the map room I, it's not my favorite scene but i like that's the one that i get chills during it's it's just so so well done um uh favorite acting moment uh i i think that comes from the map room as well actually so i think it's a great scene but i think that i enjoy myself more when i'm watching the truck chase so um the acting when it pans up to his face and you see just the absolute glow of um childlike wonder yeah you know you just see I don't think you see him as excited about anything else in the movie except for that, uh, finding something, actually doing it. 
And then, you know, like you get the sense that he's really wanted to do this for a long time. And he's finally got the opportunity, especially in his house when you get Marcus and he's like, Marcus, you did it. You know, uh, you got me this opportunity. Yeah. And then favorite quote, um, want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I have got nothing better to do. Uh, right. It's just such a good, it's such a good line. Um, and his yeah. face on it too. It looks like when he's talking to 3PO in uh, Return of the Jedi and he's telling him what to yeah. say to the Ewoks. He's like tapping him and stuff like that. Shut him off or shut him down or shut him <laughs> up or shut him down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, similar with the Ewoks. Where he's like, tell them we don't mean any harm or whatever. Right. It is. <laughs> um, Would you hurry up? You know? yeah. Have you done a lot of research like on the arc? in real life like as of today because as a kid <clears throat> after indiana jones you know of course my instant life goal was to find the arc the arc obviously yeah <laughs> so um, so as, i mean it, it's taught like in and pretty sure there's a passage in the bible that says it would they you know they like 10 five people went to the mountain or something and then yeah. returned without the ark or something assuming yeah, they that lost it, it um yeah this is uh, a theory that i learned in catechesis class one time um, and it was that, uh, so Mary, Immaculate Mary, we see her as the covenant, right? Wow. So the Ark of the Covenant once, um, unless it was Jesus, but I think this is, this ties more closely because, um, the Ark bears the covenant, right? And Mary bears the covenant of Jesus in her womb. So, um, we, what I heard was that perhaps the Ark was assumed into heaven as well right. as Mary had been. Um, That's what I've, you know, heard too, and I pretty much believe. Um, yeah. But there is an interesting thing that interests me. There's a, I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a, a church. Um, it's the St. Mary of Zion Cathedral. It's not a Catholic church. Mm -hmm. um, in Ethiopia, in the town of Aksum. <laughs> Sounds straight out of Indiana Jones. You know, guys go to Sunday school. All right, Ethiopia in the town of Oxum. There's this chapel, um, but it, they claim to have the ark, and there are actually there. The entire premise is marked off with uh, people with, I, I believe, machine guns or AKs, something oh, like man. that. So, like their entire little block, <clears throat> and no one's allowed inside unless you're a member of their order or whatever. It's like four guys i think that live there and they have like really high up level priests or whatever of their uh religion i'm not sure what it is right but i just find that really interesting because i wonder what is inside of there because either number one they're just bluffing but why because you know they seem like very holy religious people like what would be the intention for bluffing and i know they don't get that much attention from it because right. ask anyone you know i doubt anyone could tell you what i just told you yeah. <laughs> I doubt anyone knows that. I just Googled it. Yeah. So that's really, so I, I doubt it's a bluff. So, or they have a fake version of it mm -hmm. for the bluff purpose. Or also maybe they think it's real. Maybe they think their fake is the real one. Right. Or they actually have the real one. Yeah, exactly. I, like I, I'm so intrigued as to it's, what it's that is. It's really interesting because I mean, th this is like your atypical adventure movie, finding the arc of a cup of the really? I mean, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, what a name! What a name for a movie. Uh, were people on board with this? Or were they skeptical of it when like it first came out? 
I mean, after seeing the trailer, I'm sure they wouldn't be. But I don't think um, there were really trailers back then. But yeah, they would like usually show up. Yeah, maybe right. they show it like, in the theater or something. Coming but, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you're right. As soon as VHS came out, that was more when trailers came yeah, on, and it wasn't for. Yeah, it, yeah, and it wasn't for newer movies. You know, it was for like. Yeah, it was for sure. once of the time that the VHS was out for. So, um, yeah, that I is. I just wonder, like, what it would take. I mean, I don't know. Could I could go, like, impersonate one of their priests or <laughs> break right. in in the middle of the night? Or uh, it's just uh, so cool. I want to awesome. go in there and see what they have. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, fun fact. That is very, that, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I mean, because nobody really, it's such a, mystery thing so they had so much to work with you know they weren't there weren't many rules for what they could and couldn't do based on facts because there's not much fact about this you know and they did i mean and there's definitely unlike a lot of movies today that touch on um classics or biblical things it didn't screw it up like a lot of stuff today it's like okay this doesn't actually like i haven't seen the da vinci's code or, or no, seen, not Defensive Code, but Dante's Inferno. I haven't seen the movie with Tom Hanks or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I, I assume think, yeah. it strays a lot from Dante's Inferno. Right, yeah. <laughs> and this didn't really stray too far from the Bible's teaching of the Ark. I mean, not really. We no. never see anyone touch the Ark, I don't think. They take the lid off. No, they, but they don't. Do they? I don't know how they take the lid off. I don't, I don't remember, remember how, how either. But they don't touch know, like, the sides like, of it or anything. Whenever Philip puts his hand on it, there's a cloth over it, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. There like is, all this stuff yep. he ne- they never actually touch it and, that was in the canyon uh, with the bazooka there was a cloth over it whenever he teaches them about you know the sunday school stuff like everything he says aside like maybe the staff of raw or whatever but like the right. actual arc itself seemed to be accurate so I, I appreciate that it wasn't it didn't seem like a modern cash grab of just yeah, like I don't let's know make if this you, classic right. thing a crazy thing that'll grab exactly. money it's just like, i don't know if you saw the noah movie I did not, uh, but I've heard. I've oh my gosh! No, it was I've not. seen about it. It's. <laughs> it's yeah, I have just a friend who made a video on it. That is, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely pass on that one. But it is, I think, to its credit, um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a, like, it respects the religion aspect of it, and it also takes its freedoms that are not offensive or, and with the Holy Grail exactly. too. Holy Grail too. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Offensive or it's not it's not necessarily incorrect but it is fictional you know yeah. so um i think it's awesome i mean as a christian i don't movies. find anything offensive in no. any of those movies no so and i mean you always get the uh superstitious aspect of like uh like the line in the movie all oh, that superstitious hocus pocus i don't believe in that yeah. marcus you know um but and with yeah. Han solo especially with the force especially not like but that there's nothing christian wrong with that movie. i mean that's just their no character. i mean yeah it's the character and then so exactly all right was there anything else you wanted to say anything else you wanted to talk about uh i don't think so did you want to cover any general movie news oh yeah we totally forgot about that at the beginning um yeah so tom holland had been has been cast as nate from uncharted um i've never played any of the uncharted games <laughs> have you neither have i i've never uh, played it but i know that it's a uh i know that's a uh platforming game it's uh I don't know if it's two. I don't think it's two D, but it's. Um, From what I looked I up online, it was definitely three dimensional. Yeah, I don't know uh, much about it, but I, it does look pretty cool. I mean, it's Tom Holland, 
in a oh, video watch game his career movie. with great interests. Yes, exactly. Video game movies have not had a good history. So. <laughs> Tomb Raider. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one. I wanted to, but Sonic? I heard pretty bad things from it. I have not. I heard okay. it's like the best video game movie. It's the best video game movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting. So video game movies kind of scare me because it seems like they should be good, but they never are. It's like, yeah. why are you struggling so much? to make? It's a it real wild card, too. I think a Force Unleashed movie would be so amazing. Have you ever played Force Unleashed? Yeah, I did. I did play the first one, yeah. That would be a phenomenal movie. I mean, or we need Sam like Witwer in there. We should dude, get Sam Witwer, though. Sam Witwer he's still in cast, prime condition. Dude, yeah, and he looks like Starkiller because they animated in this. Yeah, it's exactly. so beautiful. He has to play a Plus, we get more Star Vader Killer content. We get more exactly. Vader content. So, like, yeah. I don't think they dismissed that from canon, right? They did, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, but they, they were, they were very on. close. They were very close to bringing him into Star Wars Rebels, actually, for like really? an episode or two. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, uh, I think Revan, too, at some point. They never did. Um, I wish we got a me. Force Unleashed three, dude. Yeah, that would be but, awesome. Um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind them changing a few little things because, like, Merrick is extremely OP. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> uh, and like, you know, he's supposed to be one of the. He like def- technically you defeat Palpatine at some point, so like, I wouldn't right. mind changing a few aspects of the game. But like, to have Vader's secret apprentice, Galen Merrick, and Juno Eclipse, and the and K two or whatever his name was, Proxy, mm-hmm. uh, Rom Coda, like all these characters in this general storyline would make for a phenomenal darker oh, yeah. rogue one-ish type movie like you could have that movie be mm-hmm. dark to the degree of rogue one and, i just you know, want more they'll vader. be able to produce it you know yeah. yeah and there'd be a lot of vader more vader and cinema and more cinema because the rogue one i think one of his strong points was that last scene with oh yeah with vader. there's a, a rogue one has the in it yeah but um I made a podcast on this where I was asking if Star Wars was really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw that. I don't know. I uh, haven't seen it yet. I'll have to it check was, it out. I was, I was <laughs> just trying to determine what I should make a video on. And I right. was like, I got into a suit for some reason. I was like, now I'm in a suit. Now what am I going to film? I don't know what I'm going to film. I kind of want to talk about Star Wars. I think Rise of Skywalker had just come out. Or maybe it was about mm-hmm. to. Um, I gotcha. just sat down in a chair and I turned on the camera and I was just like, we're going to talk about Star Wars and why it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Star Wars, but the video is like, is Star Wars really that good? Long story short, not really. Not really. Whole. So, and the biggest flaw I found is that there's a huge, uh, a lot of wasted potential definitely and lost opportunities each time they make these new star wars movies they are not appreciating how vast this universe is right and how much they should be using they're I just not agree the star wars i mean the star wars universe is huge but this rise is the skywalker thing about rogue one. played it so safe oh rise of skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> so i say certain things about rogue one like a drags was born none of the characters are meaningful but it does not uh it takes advantage of all the situations it's yeah. put in so like, they know is okay so cool. hey I love we're going to have vader available right let's make a badass scene with him killing people in the hallway like they exactly. do that because they know it's available like these are opportunities that they're taking rather than just ignoring um and you don't see that in i don't think really any of the new star wars movies except maybe like having vader's melted mask in the sequels or something um and you could call those just like uh callbacks and stuff and like cheap fan like oh so your opinion of expansions universe is just having fan service yeah. i mean <laughs> fan service is phenomenal yeah but like these are aspects of the universe they are important and they like are. 
know the fans like them. So like, why not? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> like you can make your awesome spinoff and stuff. You know, you got the Mandalorian. I never want to see Vader show up in that. I don't mind Vader not no. showing up in that. I don't really want Luke to show up in that. They're talking about having a young Luke at some point. I don't really want that. It's right. it, it's not for that. I mean, it takes place after Return of the Jedi, right? So yeah, yeah if they had Luke but, after Return of the Jedi, why? If you're making a movie about the Death Ahsoka, Star. Ahsoka, yeah, let's have Ahsoka. That makes sense. Sabine, if you're making a movie about sense. the Death Star, right. I want to see Vader. <laughs> like, exactly. And then they, you know, they have two amazing Vader scenes in that movie. And they didn't just throw them in. Like They made an effort to make these impactful Vader scenes. Yeah, like, and they made okay, the most of it. We're going to have had. him choke the guy. We're going to have him kill everyone. You know? yeah. yeah, they made the most of it. And they give him a one-liner... Right. Don't choke on your aspirations. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. Yeah. It's great. All right. Uh, I loved having you on, man. This was an awesome talk. I'm going to have you on for Temple of Doom pretty soon. Sounds perfect. Uh, So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I'll rewatch it. I think that gets a lot of flack for a lot of unnecessary reasons, and I just want to talk about that and why maybe some of the flack is deserved. Um. But I think a lot of it is deserved, honestly. I loved it as a kid. Yeah. And then I rewatched it as I was older. I was like, holy frick, this sucks. Yeah. So it's there's a lot uh, to love, but there is a lot to hate. So yeah, yeah the aspects of it being one. a prequel and stuff like that too. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Ethan. Uh talk to you soon, buddy. Alrighty, sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Quick Thoughts with Adam podcast. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a movie, You can go ahead and DM me on Instagram or leave a message on the Anchor website. That's all for now. See you next week. Here's to the ones who dream.